What's good, good people? Vets, let's talk. We got a special guest in front of the formation today. Sergeant Roman Lopez. Was it staff sergeant or just sergeant? That was, I was promotable and it's come on, not Roman. A before the O. My bad, bro. <laughs> <laughs> My bad, bro. Hey, but, you know, before we get started, I'd like you guys to press that like, share, and subscribe. HBO special, help a brother out, man. How you doing today, my brother? Oh, you know, just here, living it one day at a time. How's the family doing, man? Family's good. Everybody's getting bigger and growing. Uh, my my son graduated high school man. down there, Bromfuls, this last month. Right. How your son graduated high school? You still like you? You look like you early thirties. What, thirty one, thirty two? Jesus Christ. Hey. Old baby face. Everybody tell me young, but I'm about to be 40 this year. No lie. Damn, you getting old, bro. Whoa. <laughs> hey. I still got it. <laughs> hey, let's knock off these questions real quick. Do you remember where you were during 9-11? Yes, sir. 9-11 station that I was in Fort Hood. I was in Fort Hood. Um Sorry. You're good, you're good. Roll with like, I had a phone call come in, but uh, I was in Fort Hood. I was with the 8th Engineers. Um, was in PT. We was, at P- was doing PT, and uh, we just got back from doing PT. And uh, I had a little 19-inch TV VCR combo. That I, I yeah. Oh, bro, you old. <laughs> hey, easy. But uh, I had bought it from a soldier that was leaving, you know, because when they leave, they don't want to take stuff. So they just kind of hand you down. And right. I, I would always get back to my room, turn the TV on just to see what was going on with news or whatever the case is. And then I grew up in a small town here in southeastern New Mexico. So I knew about New York. I knew about all the big states, but I had no idea what the Twin Towers were. So we, I got back, turned the TV on. And I was like, hey, you know, the first plane hit the Twin Towers. And I was like. I don't know what the Twin Towers was, so I didn't think nothing of it. And then um, I went to go, you know, shower up, hygiene and everything, came back. And the second plane that hit and what what affected me the most is when I seen people jumping out of the building. Yeah, wow. Um, so, but I didn't know what was going on. You know what I mean? I just like, and then stuff was going on across, you know, the Pentagon and and all that stuff. News was just coming in from every direction. Then, so uh, I don't know if you, know, you probably don't remember Gomez, but he was my roommate at the time. Um, but we get dressed and we go to work, you know, because we used to just from the barracks, we just walk across to the motor pool. And uh, next thing you know, phone calls are coming in. We're on lockdown. So prior to being on lockdown, um, you may remember, but there was a little seven inch. TV. It was a radio, FAM, FM, VHF. It was a little, I had a little seven inch TV that my brother had gave me. So I ran back to the barracks and I grabbed my TV and the little cord. I plugged it in and I kid you not, because we didn't have no TVs at the, at the motor pool. So we watched 911 happen on that little seven inch TV on black and white. Wow. It was black and white too. Wow. It was black and white. And next thing you know, we had, Abrams and and Humvees with 50 cows mounted at the gate. Nobody on, nobody off. 
it, it hit real, real quick, real fast. And next thing you know, you look outside and traffic is dead. You know, Fort Hood was, you know, busy with traffic, you know. So yeah. next thing you know, stuff, car, stuff, stuff just started rolling downhill. And next thing you know, we're, a packing list comes out and it would go. Good to go. So what uh, what do you remember about your days of service? Man, the days of service. I remember the good and the bad. You know what I mean? Because everywhere you go, there's there's good folks, there's great folks, and then there's there's the bad folks, you know what I mean? Right. And I remember family. You know what I mean? The army was a separate family away from your family, you know, camaraderie, right. um, drama. Um, it had its own little, I don't know. It was just uh, seeing the diverse in people, you know, coming from a small town, you, you saw every race, ethnicity, every culture, you know, needless to say there was, there was a huge difference. And you noticed about how everyone was raised, you know what I mean? Right. Like, parent so i was taught to wash cook clean laundry and then you get to you know your duty station you got folks don't even know how to wash her you know <laughs> that is true bro that oh. is true uh and then you got to see like different folks different cultures try different food uh it was just a mixture of everything you know what i mean All right so you just like you go from one home to a different home and, and come to find out that becomes a part of your family. Yeah. It's that com camaraderie. You laugh, you joke, you cry and all in one. It's, it's like, especially when you go down range, everybody's just like one big family. <laughs> yeah. But then <laughs> the drama follows you and it's like, oh, I'm not talking to that guy because, you know, he did this and he did that. And it's. Yeah. Turns into high school somewhat. <laughs> um, I had deployed before you guys came about. Um, so I was already a sergeant when you guys, uh, when we rotated in 2006, 2007 is when we went to Cuba. My first tour was in Baghdad, but um, I was with Sergeant Diaz. Sergeant Diaz was in, uh, I think he was S2. And I was still in the pool, but um, we had two weeks in country. We took a, a gunner, took shrapnel to the shoulder and the face. And I volunteered. I volunteered to be a gunner. And I was a gunner. I would dismount, you know, I was part of the PSD. And it kind of helped me because the second deployment, it, it helps, you know, because we were gone pretty much every day, you know. Um, it made the time go by. Um, we did come close, you know, it's. It was crazy because right before you get to somewhere, you know, to your destination or you run through the gate or this intersection, something either got shot up or blown up either before or after we got there. So it was by the grace of God, I guess. The blessing. We got lucky. Yeah. And then I kid you not, I remember the day that I had put in for my two weeks to go home for my R&R. &R. Um, I don't know. I don't think you remember Zane, but he took my spot and Sergeant Diaz and them. No, not Sergeant Diaz. It was uh, Sergeant Perez. They got hit with some grenades. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Threw the tires out. But luckily, then we had up armored vehicles. Because when we went over, 
we was in soft shells and we had sandbags and I remember you telling me that when I was in the motor, like, hey, we didn't have this this yeah. stuff before, bro. <laughs> Dude, and I'm here. I am cutting a hole in the tarp to set a 240 up there, and it's like, man, this ain't this is not cutting it, you know. And but we drove three days, three days from Kuwait to Baghdad, and I kid you not, like, you know how some of the the rut, um, the tracks and everything, like you you do your exercises and everything. Was that gravel? Yeah. So every time we got to our destination, we go and we fuel up. That was the first thing we fuel up, and then we park it and we go eat. And just hearing the sound of the tires on that gravel, it was like a sense of like ah, we made it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Nobody got hit. Nobody got hurt. And I remember it was like there's a bolo list. Be on the lookout for a white Ford Toyota with a red stripe down the side and I kid you not, dude, we got to, we got to this one spot before we crossed over and there's just transport trucks full of these, you know, brand new vehicles. And I was like, well, yeah, it was, it was ridiculous, but it was fun. It was scary, but. Yeah. Kind of take nothing back from those times. Oh yeah. So what, were some of the fears transitioning out of the military, if any? No, there was. There was fear. There's nerves, anxiety. I mean, because I spent, I was it's just shy of, of 10 years, you know what I mean? When you do something for so long, it just becomes second nature, you know? So fear, it was there. Like, what do I do? How do I do it? You know, the whole thing of what's a resume, you know? I knew what a resume was, but the, where do I start? And, you know, we didn't have all that technology back then like we do now. Right. Um, it was just, it was scary at points. You know what I mean? Like after doing it for so long, now it's time for a change, you know, and it's like the same thing when you graduate high school. It's like, I'm excited, but then I'm nervous and I'm scared. Now it's on me. It's not on my parents to wake me up. You know what I mean? You don't have to go to PT. You know, back then, wake up. Your parents wake you up. You have to go to school. You know, over here, if you didn't wake up, somebody was waking you up, you know. Why is so-and-so not information, you know? And then you you have to be at a certain place at a certain time, you know. But when you get out, it's, I don't have to anymore. It's like, I can, you know, but do I really want to? Right. It's the weight I picked up. I don't have to go to PT. <laughs> it's like I'm not gonna get this 4856. So hey, <laughs> somebody will come kick and knock on your door. You still gonna get paid for the month, but you got a couple of times before you really, really mess up before they start taking stuff from you. It was on the clock. 7. Hmm. It was on the clock 24/7. Right. Once out, how hard was it? for you to adjust to civilian life? Believe it or not, it was, it was, it's harder than you think. Um, as far as adjusting to life, I mean, you're still adjusting every day. Dealing with military versus dealing with civilians is, is night and day. It's, I mean, I'm still adjusting, you know, it's, there's times in, that I just go and sit down at the restaurant and I have to sit in the corner to watch the infants and the accents, you know. My wife now already knows, like, 
Okay, he's going to sit on this side. Let me sit on this side. You know, <clears throat> adjusting to the civilian life, it's, I mean, but you just, it's just one day at a time. I mean, there's no, there's no real definition of adjust, right. you know, you can only lift and shift fire as needed, but then you can only do that so many times before it's just like, it becomes frustrating, you know? Oh, I know. I know, bro. This is why this whole thing is kind of created. That's kind of help people getting out. And even the people out. It's on your side. You're freezing. You're locking up over there. Oh, my bag, bro. Well, yeah, this is why this, this whole thing is kind of created. This kind of help people in the mix of that transition. People out and people in and like, you know, me, it, it helps me like get comfortable with doing things and talking to people because it's like you're saying that the adjustment is every single day. Sometimes you have to adjust to yourself because, you know, you have to put yourself in check. A lot of the times, like, man, that's not, it's not too tight. Suits. Yeah. yeah no, like, you have to, you have to check yourself. You know what I mean? And, you know, my wife now is like, well, babe, you know, we weren't in the military, you know what I mean? But it's like, no, but I, you should know, they should know. But then, you know, they don't have, the military mentality like we did you know what i mean so it's like, oh my bad you know so let me let me as you were as they would say you know stand down but it's you're adjusting yourself every day and at the same time you have like you said you have to check yourself before you know you step out that door right so do you think the military gave you the tools to be motivated even if it didn't seem like there would be a favorable outcome yes uh, the military has almost every tool available. You know what I mean? Um, the best tool that I found for me was my senior NCOs and my my squad leader, my platoon leader, you know what I mean? Because I planned on being in there for a while, so I took advice from them. Um, at the same time, I mean, my, I remember my first NCO was Staff Sergeant Bordelon, Douglas Bordelon, and uh he taught me a lot of stuff, a lot of good stuff, you know, and believe it or not, you do have your NCOs that, you know, got their rank because of whatever the case is, you know, and they weren't the best ones to take advice from, but you use them bad apples as an example of what not to be as a leader. <coughs> you know, there's those, there's those leaders as uh do as I say, not as I do, you know what I mean? And I was never the type to do that. You can ask pretty much any of my soldiers back then you know if they didn't know and I didn't know guess what we learned together you know I would not send somebody to do something that I hadn't done myself mm. you know so but the the army they they there's so many tools for anything you know um let's see I wrote down some notes but yeah um has every tool whether you use it or not you know uh, i was watching your video with donahoe and that kid was rebellious <laughs> a good soldier but good <laughs> i just remember you know and i felt sorry for sergeant nelson i feel sorry for sergeant mccain you know but yeah and you remember hutton yeah i remember hutton because mm -hmm. he came over to the ghost rattle platoon before we Got left off for the uh, Iraq. Yeah, I had to go pick him up at the MP station once. 
like, who's this person? Oh, snap. You know, but no matter what, you know, I, I would always see the good through the bad, you know, and that's what the military helped me do. You got to take the good out of the bad because if not, um, as an NCO, your soldiers look up to you. You know what I mean? And if they see you, you know, being negative and acting negative and then they're 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 going to absorb what you're, you know. Yes, so lead by example. Yes, sir. You know, you got these things coming, like coming on these situations, like adverse. It don't seem good, don't look good, but you always got to walk around like things are okay, even when it's not. <laughs> so, hey, what, like, okay, what advice would you give someone transitioning out of the military? Okay, say that one more time. He froze. What advice would you give someone transitioning out of the military? Advice I would give. Um, Let's see. Research. Do all your research prior to getting out. Do it. Do it in advance. Um, schedule any every appointment that they give you. Um, when I got back from Afghanistan in 2010, because I volunteered for Afghanistan, you know, I had deployed direct before I got with you guys, and then we deployed again with y'all <coughs> at PCS to Fort Hood or to Fort Sam. 20, 2008, and then in 2009, I volunteered to go to uh, Afghanistan as an individual augmentee, and um, when I got back, it just, it felt different, you know what I mean, but when you trend, or advice for them, schedule any appointments, any anything with, you know, especially medical, stuff with all this stuff going on now, um, Get all the help you can get because the army has so many different programs out there. Yeah. One thing I didn't do or I was never aware of when I got back from Afghanistan, I started transitioning out and nobody told me about, you know, go here, go here, go there, you know, PST appointments, you know, TBIs and, you know, schedule for hearings, schedule vision, schedule all your appointments. Um, <clears throat> yeah, you, you need to do the research on your own. You know what I mean? Because I don't know how it was for y'all when y'all got out, but when I was transitioning out, it felt like I was going to CIF to turn in my gear. You know what I mean? Yeah. But one station, you turn in your gear, cool. Check the block next. Check the block next. You know, and it felt like um, I, was, I wasn't told about programs, you know, or any classes to take, you know. Um, only the bare minimum, you know, oh, here's a class for your resume, you know, um, um, and it, it sucked when you was transitioning. Um, it felt like the soldiers you left behind and your NCO that you left behind, it just felt like you were a disappointment to them. You know what I mean? Right. I know. I understand. Oh, he's a traitor. You know, he's going back to the civilian life and it just felt, it felt like you weren't a part of that stuff anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, yeah, I know I impacted some soldiers, a lot, of, actually most of my soldiers, I kid you not, um, not to brag or anything, but I was one of those that led by example. Um, when I was with you guys, um, yeah, I needed more bodies for, for uh, the PSD, you know, and I was an NCO and Sergeant Diaz, I joined y'all's crew, Sergeant Diaz, I had Feliciano, uh, we had Alvarado, we had the medics, we had some of the MPs. Um, I kid you not, um, 
this story um, is still talked about, but you had Sergeant Carter on here the other day. And when we got uh, me, Sergeant Carter, and a bunch of new guys, I don't know if, if you were with us that time, but Bakuba was um, uh, a blackout. You know what I mean? There was no lights, no nothing. So when we landed, you know, we landed off the Chinook and then everybody's there to pick up their their crew and their their guys and all of a sudden nobody came for us nobody so i don't know if any of your guys but it was me it's that sergeant carter i remember we were just there and we grabbed a couple of other NCOs. like you guys hang tight here me and sergeant carter <coughs> me and sergeant carter we just like dude we got to do something we had a bunch of new guys with us Alvarado was one of them, mm. uh, myself. Um, we didn't know what to do because nobody came for us. You know, we didn't know where we at. We just you, left. You talking about in that black field that they dropped? Oh, no, bro. <laughs> it's pitch black. Pitch black. Fact, the only light we saw were people coming in and out of the, you know, the that office they had. Huts and everything, you know. So me and Sergeant Carter, we walked around and we found some dudes and it's like, hey, we're looking for the headquarters for so-and-so. Next thing you know, hour, hour and a half later, you know, we, we find somebody and he's like, oh, well, you weren't supposed to fly until so-and-so time. Bruh. <laughs> Information. Communication. I kid you not, like, it, was, it was crazy. But it was, it was crazy because it was pitch black and everybody's picking up their own guys and nobody came for us. Nobody. Oh. So we in pitch black no idea what was what i didn't know what direction was which but me and sergeant carter we went to go find somebody so yeah you ran across some amazing people sergeant carter was probably one of the best retention officers i've i've seen in the military i wish he was a retention officer when i was on my transition because it's a, it's a, I got a story behind that, but I'm not going to throw that out here on the, on the mix right now, but yeah. <laughs> man, I appreciate you, bro. I appreciate you. Thank you for your service, man. It's not gone unseen. I, I promise you, like, thank you. This, I hope this reaches somebody ears and it helps them. Yeah. Big time. It's, it's scary, but the only way to do it is to actually do it. Um, if you can give advice, um, I wasn't told about the VA, you know, doing your evals every you know, three years. I went seven years without seeing them, you know. Really? Oh, wow. It, nobody ever told me, hey, you need to go back ever so often and, and, and evaluate because some injuries get better, which in some case, most of them get worse. Right. You know, and they'll compensate for that. But I kid you not, I'd give all this stuff back. I give all that money back just to have my, my body back at 100%. Exactly. You never come. Can't sit down for too long. You can't stand up for too long. You can't drive for too long. But hips. your hips must be out because mine's is because that's that's why it is with me. <laughs> sit down yeah. too long. Your hips start hurting. Your back start hurting. Yeah, you got it. Like I think the programs that they have coming out of the military is a lot different from when I yeah, was. Yeah, there's out. so many programs, and I'm like, well, God dang, where were y'all when I was getting out? You know, it's like, and. Believe it or not, Texas is the best state for veterans. Right. Every state, you know, my state, I mean, New Mexico, it just sucks, you know, but, but 
you can only do so much with what you got, you know, and, but research your state. If you do plan on going back home about programs for veterans, things like that, your VA office, um, every city, if I'm not mistaken, mainly every big cities, they'll have a, a VA rep and they'll help you. You know, they helped me with my disability and increasing it. Um, disabled vet plates, you know, even didn't think I needed it or, you know, or wanted it. But that's not what they say. They say you earned it, you know, so. But it's do your research, you know, and there's so many programs out there for individuals transitioning now, you know, and there's a lot of companies, I kid you not, that are are out there to help veterans, Um it's pretty much everything. School also, you know, so those who want to continue education, by all means, do it. Jump on it. But hey, man, I got to close out, man. I appreciate you. Thank you for your time, man. Thank, Hey, thank you, family, because, you know, they they serve with you right alongside of you, you and your hard-headedness. But, you know, <laughs> who's up next for formation, man? Best let's talk. <laughs>